Hello and welcome back to the A3 Footy Podcast. My name is Alex Catalano. Today, Alex and Miller, we've got lots of big discussion points about a few teams who are up, a few teams who are down, a few teams who are somewhere in the middle, and a few teams who still really, really want to get into the top eight. Yeah, I tell you what, hotly contested for those seven and eight spots, Cat, and it's definitely picked up the last couple of weeks. But yeah, massive episode, can't get stung into it. Alex Doherty, after Friday night, I was wishing I was in your position and didn't have to watch my mob play this week uh, because <laughs> it was very nice having a bye the week before and not having to worry about them. Yeah, well, um, well there'll be no bye for you uh, this week either, Cat. And uh, geez, uh, the way the way you were talking about it off air, it might might be it might be a, a big thrashing heading your way uh, on Friday night. I'm just praying and hoping everything that there isn't a miracle comeback for Jack Steele this week. It doesn't look like there is, but knowing our luck. By the time this episode goes up, this very well might be. But the Dons, we wanted to talk a bit about boys. And Miller, I know you were keen on discussing my mob. We talked about them maybe about a month back, uh, looking at where the season was so far, and it hasn't gotten much better from there. 2-10, and ten, another loss to Carlton on Friday night for the 150th anniversary. Um, I thought personally it was a little bit of an improvement, despite the sloppiness uh, of the game in general. The past two weeks have been... Not bad, uh, low scores notwithstanding, which have been pretty crap for, for us all year round. But uh, long term and game style wise, I'm still not really sure where we stand in 2022. Yeah, look, it's a great question, Kat. And I spoke to you briefly about it on, on Friday night and thought that they're in an interesting spot, Essendon. So, look, there was some positives to take out of this game. The center clearances was in Essendon's favor, 13 to eight, and the hitouts were really good. I thought that Phillips and Draper worked really well. Cat and mm. you've talked about how you like the ruck duo and whatnot. So I thought that was really good. And the uh, contested possession count, only minus three uh, Essendon um, to Carlton. So look, there's a lot to take from that game. I think that the key that I want to see going forward is what game style is that they want to play doc. So, I think with given Essendon's list that it's probably best to play quick and we've seen this year in times when they get open play and passages they look elite at, at moving and the young kids love to run and Ben Hobbs is the staple of that cat's favourite. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think that probably fast play will suit them best. What do, what do you think, Doc? Yeah, it's a good question, Miller. Um, look, we saw Essendon last year when they sort of played that freewheeling approach that they were quite competitive in their games actually won quite a few games on the back of that sort of running capability but then you know this year they've gone a step backwards I think the skills have dropped down quite poorly as well um, and a lot of it as we said a bit as we said a fair bit this season already they they make the tendency to try and overhand pass the ball before they go inside 50 and when they go inside 50 it hardly favors your Peter Wrights or Yaron Francis's or um or, the, or those tall forwards uh, boys so no look I think it's a good call I think They've I've definitely I've definitely seen them just I've definitely seen more effort out of Essen in the last month than the, than the first than the first half of the season. I think so, um, yeah. this week especially tackle count plus twenty yes. I thought was really strong. Um, plus eleven tackles inside fifty as well. I thought for the first time this year we really showed that pressure game that um, that we we really had strongly last year. Um, I think hopefully Will Snelling's not too far away now. I think he's a week, possibly. I don't know if he's going to be back in this week, but um, once he comes back in, I think that'll be even better than what it has been so far. But I want to say positively, boys, uh, Dylan Shield, we talked about mm. the pressure game, uh, 10 tackles for him. I think that's his highest for a very, very long time. I have to bring up the stats, Miller, but 
Um, you know, he's been criticised hugely across this year, and I thought um, for everything that we've given him and the broader media and fans have given him, I thought he was one of the guys that really stood up in this game. Yeah, absolutely, Kat. I, I want to touch on him. He was the guy for mine. I thought he was really outstanding, not just his stats, but his, his work, and that's what you talk about. I thought his tackling was good, but also his defensive running, Kat, and I think that's his, his role and what he's best suited at. But as you touched on with the tackle numbers, which is really interesting there, yeah, season average is 48, Kat. So to have 75 in a hotly contested game against one of the best contested teams in the comp will be something positive to build on. And that's what we talked about with North boys. If you're a team that's struggling, you get a stat and, and you beat that this week and then you bring that into next week and then you add it with a new stat. So, look, I think that they're, they're definitely on the right track. But I suppose... It, it was his, yeah. Looking at his tackles, Miller, it was his highest tackle count for us since 2019 against yeah, Sydney, where he had nine, and he was the leading tackle um, layer in that game as well. And also eight clearances in the game as well, Cat. 27 touches a goal, only 179 metres game, but a different role. And I think that was because yeah. Parrish went down. It was good to see him in and under. And we know Dylan Shields a talented player, and I think that the, the media has been harsh on him. I think... I personally have tried to give him the benefit of that. I like Dylan Sheil. I think he's still a very good player. I just think it's interesting where he fits with the mould, Doc, of how Essendon are shaping up and whatnot. Yeah, uh, it is interesting. I think, look, I'm not like you, Miller. I think the criticism that Dylan Sheil has copped has been warranted to, I'd say, the most extent anyway. Mm. Considering the fact that you're Essendon, you give up two first-round draft picks for him and then you deliver subpar performance after subpar performance. He, he, he deserves the criticism. Deserves deserves almost every ounce that comes his way. Yeah, the um, only thing I would say, though, Doc, is that his role has changed a lot from where he was at the Giants to where he came in at Essendon. He's been thrown around a bit. We've seen him play half-forward last year at times. He didn't look comfortable doing that. So I agree. I think it's been warranted, but you've got to put some accountability on the coaches to some extent. Yeah, uh, that, I suppose that's true as well. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think today, uh, last Friday was his best game for a long, long time, Dylan Shield. And it's good to, and, and it's good to see. I'd love to see these players sort of respond after, they, uh, after they've been sort of, you know, put through the ringer by, by us and the media and, and, and the like. And just a quick question for you, Kat, as well. What, what do you make of the, uh, the ruck duo of Phillips and Draper? Because I thought that was all right on, on Friday night, looking yeah, back at I it. Think- I think Draper's improvement this year has been massive. Um, Phillips, I thought, in terms of that raw hit-out, did well against the coding they combined for 43 between them. I thought that was really strong. Mm. Uh, Phillips' work around the ground, I didn't really know what he was doing. I reckon he's <laughs> flailing around more than any player I've ever seen before. Um, but I think we do work well when we've got two ruts, especially because it allows one of them to move into the forward line. And we've only got um, Wright and Jones in there and no other tall, really. So I think for the long term, keep two in, whether it's Phillips and Draper or Draper and Brian. Uh, I guess it just depends who we're up against. But I like the combination and I want to see it continue. I think I think for the foreseeable future, you play Phillips as the first ruck. Draper sort of plays as the um, that sort of versatile swingman role, yeah. like like how Tim English plays at the Dogs. Yeah. Because I, I, I think I think he I think he reads the play much better, and I think he's more mobile and more agile than. Than uh, than Phillips and I don't know what Phillips does with, with his with his possessions. He's sort of sort of tripping over his feet a little bit on Friday night. Yeah, he's a weird one, Phillips. But no, I thought he did well. I thought he did well enough uh, to hit out tap Ruckman. 
Um, we want to talk about the Tigers, Miller. Your mob, huge game coming up tonight against Carlton at the MCG. Collingwood have just pushed themselves into the eight with a win over Melbourne on Queen's birthday. Mm. You have to win this to get back in there. And then from then on out, it's going to be a massive few weeks as uh, both of you keep jostling for position and someone tries to get into the eight, I think. But uh, it was a good, very good win for your mob last weekend. Um, and obviously you're knocking on the door of the eight. Uh, what do you reckon? How are we going to get it done? And uh, are you a chance to make the top eight this year? Look, it's a great question, Kat. I think that last week was good and, you know, got the four points against a poor team that were pretty average in the first half and we, we fell asleep for a bit, which is a bit of our forte this year, which you cannot afford to do tonight against a good Carlton team. We saw in round one we were up by 20-odd points and, and collapsed. It's happened previously as well. It happened um, against St Kilda as well, so... Uh, we've got some work to do, particularly um, just around four-quarter efforts. But tonight will be a massive test, I think. Obviously, the news in the teams around Cat is that Dusty, Dusty's obviously out with the illness. Mm. Lynch comes back in and Marshbank's out for Carlton along with Chera. So Sam, both teams... Sam Dern making his debut very Yeah, good. Sam Dern making his debut, um, which will be very interesting uh, to see him operating in different colours if you're a North fan. But um, look, I think it'll be a really tough game tonight. I think that what will really define the game will be efficiency inside Ford 50, Doc. I think whatever team, given that it's probably going to be wet tonight, um, you know, scores from their entries will be key because I don't think it'll be a matter of inside 50 can. I think it'll be a matter of if you get it in there, you need to kick a goal. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I thought last week, you know, we did catch up for a beer at halftime, which is pretty good, Miller. I thought I, I thought the um I thought that game was very ugly from Richmond. It was an yeah. ugly win, um but they but they got there and that was and that's what matters. Yeah. Um but yeah, look, I think there's still I'm still a bit iffy on on your mob at the moment. I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure if I see them playing in the eight yet because as you as you said, you know they they've fallen asleep a fair bit. And I thought that first half they probably should have had them dead to rights by yeah, really. by a lot by a lot more. Um, and and the fact that they didn't you know open kept kept the door open and they ended up getting the lead in the fourth quarter, hmm. um, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, look, Tom Lynch is back, which is good. I, I think we we talk about we've talked about you know Carlton's defense being sort of under under strength. You have got Sam Durden, a mid season draft pick, who has played some really good footy in the Sandful. You've had you've got Lockie Plowman, who we all we've all talked about as being completely shit out, but he actually hasn't been too bad. Um, <laughs> In the uh, in the last couple of weeks, and and Lewis Young finally finally getting a chance and actually nailing down a spot in the key, in the key defense. He's going to be huge for the Blues tonight. I thought Doc last week eighteen touches at one hundred percent, seven marks for for Lewis Young. I thought his his disposal by foot has come a massive massive way. Yeah, uh, look, I, I think he's I think he's always been sort of a, a, a neat user of the ball. I think it's just the fact that Bevo just hasn't been able to utilize him as a as a full back, uh, he just sort of, I think he's sort of playing to other, like to different, different parts of his game, which aren't necessarily his go, like in terms of like being a one-on-one defender and, and the likes, he's, he's always been much better as a, as a third man up sort of yeah. intercept player. Um, and then, yeah, what the hell is, what the hell he's doing playing rock for us in the finals <laughs> last year. And I'll, I'll, I'll never understand that, but uh. no, Finally, good to see him get a chance, uh, Lewis Young. I expect him to get a good job on um, on Tom Lynch because Rewalt was well beaten last week by I think it was I think it was Cleary that had the match up on him. 
should be a good one. I think it'll be interesting, Kat, as well. How, how do you see the magnets shaping for our forward line, given you mentioned pre-show, Bolter on the bench, give yes. we've, we've seen float forward. Do you think that they'll really try and stretch, given the names that Doc's listed there with Durden, Plowman and Lewis Young? Will they go Lynch, Rewalt and Bolter? What do you think? I think I think you, you, you definitely could. Uh, you look at the way our forward line was played and with just the two tools, they got caught um, very stagnant and, and out of position a few times. So I think you got to go with those guys that can take a strong lead at the ball, take a good grab, and obviously Bolter's one of those. Uh, I absolutely think you're playing forward in this game because looking at your back line, I think you've got enough height down there with Grimes, Tarrant, Gibkiss, and Broad uh, mm. as, a, as a four down there. So... Yeah. Um, I think you'll be absolutely fine covering the forwards. you got to definitely look at how Ridley played Kerno in this game, and um, I'm not sure who's going to go to him here, but whoever does. I think does, goes to Kerno, would you say, Kat? Or I think Tarrant maybe probably lacks a little bit of pace for him. Um, Gibkiss maybe a little bit too lean for him. I don't know, someone even like Broad could do a job on him. Grimes, maybe. Yeah, I think you've got the option there. I, I think Broad would be my preferred matchup here. Yeah. Yeah, got the mobility for it, and that's what you need on someone like Kerno, who's got such a leap like he does. So, a couple of very interesting matchups here, and if you win it, it makes the race for the rest of the game very interesting and and, and oh, critical for Carlton's season as well, boys. You know that I I've got the theory that they might drop off and possibly yeah. out of the eight. So this is important for them. This is a big claim and important game tonight. So yeah, yeah, very excited for the clash. I I just want to say as well, Miller, before we move on, Cat, I think. The big benefit of having the these tools here is that we saw it last week. You can float, float Gibkiss in the forward line, and he actually made an impact in, in that last quarter. Because up until then, Gibkiss had his pants pulled down by Todd Marshall, I think, kicked four. Yeah. Um, so, no, look, it, it, it's, it's good because, yeah, because you, you've got that versatility. You've got Gibkiss can, can sort of hang around forward line. You've got Bolter that can play both back and forward. So it, it, you, you can you can sort of you can sort of chop and change the way you want. Um if uh, if if Harry Mackay starts to get a run on, or if Kernow starts to get a run on, can put can put Bolter down back. But I like the idea of trying to stretch out the um the Carlton back line tonight. tonight. Yeah. But as well, and as and as well, the midfield battle is going to be interesting with no Dusty and Dion Pressure in some decent form. Yeah, and Chera out is a big blow for them. But as I said, Manny Kennedy I reckon might lift, so it'll be very good contest in the guts tonight. Huge, yeah. huge contest. The last thing we want to take a look at this week, uh, boys, is Collingwood. Yes. Getting a win over the D's on the weekend. I know I tipped them. Uh, I, I tipped them too. Boys. Oh, yeah, Dr. I, well, but I, I <laughs> get them. to the tipping results later. Um, but what a turnaround it's been under Craig McRae so far, Doc. They've changed up their game style. We were hugely critical of them under Bucks last year and probably the year before as well after they started dropping out of finals. Um, but they, they've turned themselves around and... A few key stats that I've sort of been looking at uh, across the past couple of weeks have been their tackling and their disposals. Last year, we definitely criticised them, Doc, for, for being a team that was too slow with their build-up, never seems to go fast into their forward line, and it obviously resulted in the modern-day defensive structures getting on the end of them very easily. Um, but nowadays, ninth for disposals, I feel like they're a lot more purposeful, purposeful with the footy. Uh, fifth for average tackles at the moment. They've become a really strong pressuring team. Um, and clearly it showed against Melbourne the fruits of their labour. Absolutely, uh, Kat. And the, another, another thing that sort of interests me was they were plus 12 in the contested possessions on the weekend against Melbourne. So they outwer- and plus 13 in stoppage clearances. 
So they outworked them around around every contest. Um, and we talked a little bit about Melbourne. I think it's become a recurring theme that they drop off late in games. And I think we saw we saw them against Freo. They dropped off in the second half. They dropped off against Sydney in the second half. And they dropped off against Collingwood in the second half on Queen's birthday. So big concern there for Melbourne. But the Pies, but this is just about the Pies than anything else. Because I think they've, they've really found a good mix uh, between midfield and forward. We saw Brady Myercheck. I thought that was I thought that was his best game ever. He was outstanding. He was. Amazing. He, he every time the ball came to him, he just clunked it like it was like he was bloody Aaron Norton. Um, the, the the ten marks, the four goals, uh, five contested marks as well. So he, he he was just absolutely immense. I think as well, what highlighted for me from this game, boys, on both sides of the of the coin, you got Collingwood in the first quarter, obviously O goals five to Melbourne three one, and then. At halftime, they were 3-8 Collingwood, but only to be up Melbourne by eight points. Uh, so that speaks to two things. I think it speaks to Melbourne's ability not to put that team away earlier, but also Collingwood's resilience, Cat. I think that mm. watching the game, as all three of us did, you felt that even though they kicked 0-5 in the first quarter, they, they were still in it. They were still <laughs> they were three goals down, but they were still well and truly in the game. And I thought that... Um, well, they, should the have been one, up, they should have been up at yeah, the time. Really, very absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, they should have been up. And and the work that some of these guys are doing, I think that Dugowie's really picked it up where he was a couple of weeks ago. Brandon Maynard is still one of the most underrated lockdown and, and attacking defenders, I think, in the league. I think he's a really good two-way operator. And my man of the week, which I'll get to later, but um, I think as well the, the importance of a guy like Jamie Elliott can't be understated, boys. No, he's missed, he missed last week back in the team now. Three goals and 19 touches is a elite return from a small forward. So he, he lifts them around them, Elliot. He's he does. One of those Absolutely. players that they, they get around him. And they've got a few of those types. I think Maynard has been that in the past where I think you boys were talking about it during the week, during the game. And, you know, he's a bloke that'll die for his team if you, yeah. if you let him. <laughs> and he was outstanding um, on the weekends as well. But Jack Crisp as well, Doc, he's got yeah. an Australian contention at the moment. If he isn't, there's something seriously wrong with how we are viewing the game. Yeah, uh, he was fantastic. Um, you could have you could have raffled you could have at least raffled maybe six Collingwood players that should have won the um, the Neil Danaher Trophy ahead of Clayton Oliver. <sighs> not not anything against Clayton Oliver. He played well, but you know to the victors go the spoils, right? So you got to you got to give you got to give it to a Collingwood player. Crispy was brilliant. I thought he was. I thought he pressured well. His his ability to link up through midfield was was outstanding as well, and. A lot of people have talked about he have criticised him over the last twelve months for his use of the ball by foot. He mm. was kicking him. He was kicking it at about seventy seven percent on Queen's birthday. So that that was a that was probably the biggest takeaway from mine. And and as well, Cap, um, I, I want to talk about a bloke who has been hardly hardly appreciated all this year, but we love him here. The Cowboy McCreary. Oh, <laughs> the Cowboy. When he tackled, I think it was Jake Lever in that. I think yeah. was, I think it was the third quarter or the second quarter. That that changed the game, yeah. and the thing that the thing that I've noticed about McCreary, especially about the last month, is that his pressure acts are so through the roof. Mm. He, he oh, he's just so invaluable to the team, and nobody's really going to take and nobody's going to take notice until Kane Corn says something out of his asshole. And I, so, <laughs> I suppose yeah. when you speak of the the young forwards, as a guy cat, you called probably one of the clutch, if not the clutchest young player in the comp, and Oliver oh, Henry, Henry. didn't did have the biggest day. But, you know, five disposals, three marks. So 
had somewhat of an impact, but that goal at the end. I was going to say, it's a goal in the last quarter for me. The kids kicked, since he was subbed on against Freo, he's kicked six goals in the last quarters. And may I just add, six goals in four games in a row that Collingwood have won in last quarters. Yeah. And so also, you talk about yeah. a guy that makes a difference late in the game. That's Ollie Henry is one of them. He's a second. Year, he's a second year player. It's so cooked to think about, you know, Ollie Henry in this rich vein of form that he's in, cat, and he's just he's just able to call games week after week. The last month, yeah. I suppose the last player we'd like to talk about is going to be Nick Dacos, boys. I know we've Hollywood. talked about him before, but <laughs> man, Hollywood. I think the way he is so composed for someone his age, I've never quite seen somebody like it, and I think. It's been an absolute genius by the coaching staff and McRae to put him in the back half because it's mm. taken a little pressure off him from getting that, you know, 30 in the midfield and he's getting a bit of back half ball but using it well. You know, 33 on the weekend, a lovely blend of 16 kicks, 17 handballs, six marks, three tackles, three clearances, um, four, um, four um, it's score involvements and nine intercepts. So he's doing everything and he's been great this year and definitely he's the rising star. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I said it last week with uh, with Hollywood. The thing that the thing that's really impressed me is that he's been able to he's been able to learn how to adapt to a, a system def, a system defense, and he's been able to pick off these little in, yeah. in, inside fifty entries, and he's able to pick off passes. It, it, it it's like for somebody who played predominantly midfield from I'd, I'd argue most most of his junior career. Yeah. The, the fact that he's been able to learn the, the tricks of being a defender has been absolutely fantastic. And he's just been able to blend that with what he already knows as a midfielder. And yeah. it's probably helped as well, Kat, having Pendlebury down there and having Crisp mm. down there at times too. Really great leaders. And we know what Pendlebury's achieved over his career and Jack Crisp holding the consecutive game record. So two great guys to learn off and may know. But they've got the perfect blend, Collingwood. And look, um, even as a Richmond fan, boys, I've got to say right now, the Pies are probably taking the eighth spot or seventh spot from anyone at the moment. They're in that good a form. They've got the great blend. And they've got a great run home the, too. Miller. Yeah, they're great run home. home. And the great coach, Craig McCaffey. Our, our love here at A3. Is, is, is he coach of the year at the moment or is it Justin Longmuir as, as coach of the oh, year? Uh, I'd probably say just given where Frio are. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, I agree. I reckon no, Jay- none of us reckon- had Freo top four. Um, some of us didn't even top eight, but yeah, so. I, yeah, I, I definitely had them top eight. I think they were primed for a final spot, but uh, not not even I could have predicted that they they would rocket themselves up into the top four the way they have. We've given them plenty of love throughout the year. While we're still on Collingwood love, let's crack into who's the man because Alex Miller. We didn't talk about this man because I know you wanted to give him his props this week. He should have won a bloody medal in this game, but he didn't because of one wayward voter. So we're going to give him his flowers while he's in. One, one, one lazy AFL.com.au journalist that we won't name <laughs> due to the fact that we might not that we might be uh, might be cited for uh, what was it defamation? Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't vote him. It's true, but anyway, Miller. Yeah. Uh, well, it's going to be the one and only Mr. USA, Mason Cox, boys. He was absolutely phenomenal on the weekend. Now, this uh, this is better than his performance against Richmond in the prelim. Maybe that's biased because I just want to get it off the record because I'm sort of sick of hearing about it. But <laughs> he was absolutely outstanding this game, Mason Cox. One goal, two, 21 touches, 16 of those kicks, eight marks, two tackles, nine hitouts, two clearances. And then just quietly as well, boys, 407 metres game for Mason Cox. That's right. The man was the height of Aaron Sanderlands, was outstanding. But it's also these little numbers here, boys, that I will just quickly rack off. Three contested marks, four inside 50s, six 
score involvements and five intercept possessions. The critical point in the third quarter when Melbourne were coming, boys, and they'd moved Coxstand back, and he was absolutely phenomenal. And him and Cameron, I thought, I tell you what, you never would have ever said at the start of the year that they would beat Jackson and Gorn, but they had the D's number all day, every player on the ground, but Mason Cox was absolutely outstanding. And congratulations to him. And i just happy to see him back and playing good footy because he, when he's on, he's unstoppable. So he's my man of the week for round whatever up to. Yeah, it's already proven to be a slog this year. Can, um, we, can we fashion him our own trophy and send it to, to Olympic Park? Yeah, we should send him uh, American basketball slash AFL ball cat blended together, <laughs> stitch him up. Uh, that could be a bit of a go for him. Yeah, very uh, nice I, I, I guess... I just want to say, uh, Miller, that's interesting. I, I, I think I agree with you in terms of being better than the prelim game against Richmond. It's got to be tough. because in he in that Richmond game, you know, he was stationed as a forward, and he basically, you know, kicked, kicked all the goals that sort of that, that really opened the game up. But in this one, he was doing it both ends. Like, he, like he, he kicked, yeah, he, was he kicked the, the footy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah kicked kicked a massive goal in in that third in the third quarter, and then. Then he came. Then he then he's like, ah, oh, screw this! I'll go down back and take a couple of easy intercept marks. And uh, that was hilarious. That guy, I must say, though, because I, I saw Jack Chris was on the run. He'd already kicked a beautiful one, boys, and he looked over his shoulder and thought, I'm going to get run down. And he wasn't a sigh, but he's like, God, I've got to give it to Coxie on the run. And Coxie said, All right, I'll dub it. But that was I, outstanding. I, just as well, boys. Um, my partner and I in the first quarter, we saw Mason Cox miss a couple of easy chances, and I was and we were just basically shouting at each other, saying that he shouldn't be playing again. And then and, and then he just ends up turning it around, and we're just riding home the kick from forty five meters out. Bloody special! He said, "Shut up, I'm doing this." He's definitely my man for this week. No, outstanding yeah. call. Beautiful. Uh, I'm going to stick with the tall theme and go with a man who dropped down behind the ball for this game and. He earned his plaudits for this one uh, from basically everyone, but I'm going to give him some more because that is Harold, Harry Himmelberg. I'm going to say bloody Harold Himmelberg. <laughs> Harry Harold. Himmelberg from the GWS Giants. Uh, he's been playing not his best footy up forward this year, and uh, Spike McVeigh decides to say, oh, well, we'll put him up in the forward line and we'll put him up in the back line, take him out of the forward line and see what happens. And what do you know? He had his probably career best game, 37 touches, six marks. Boise was behind the footy and he could not get himself away from it. 95% disposal efficiency as well, if you don't mind. 11 intercept possessions, but he wasn't just doing it defensively. He was getting ahead of the ball too. He kicked himself a very, very nice goal. Mm. Five score involvements to uh, 10 rebound 50s. What a game from the young man. Well, not so young anymore. Harry's been around for a while now. Um, but he, he was outstanding in this one, boys. And I think if they're not leaving him defensively uh, for the rest of the year, then uh, they're making a mistake, the Giants, because he's become a key part of this defence in just one game. Yes, that's a great man, Cat for the week. Pretty stiff for Cogs, but I, I still like uh, I still like <laughs> him. Runner-up out of this game, surely. Uh, get get stuff, Cogs, says uh, Alex, uh, Alex Catalano. That's um, great, Cat. I love that, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was fantastic. Just one look at the stats line. I didn't watch the game. Um, I, th- I thought watching Rush Hour was much better than, than watching two shit-kicking teams. But it was everywhere. Uh, he was absolutely everywhere. He was outstanding. Yeah, no, one, one look at those stats, and, yeah, geez, you could just tell he, he, he made a massive splash on the game. Uh, we're gonna go, I'm going to go to Thursday night for my man. Um, 
it was, yeah, as I said, pretty ugly. But I thought there was a few players that stood out, particularly in the last quarter. One of them was Liam Baker, boys. Um, obviously, the other uh, tap down to to Nank to from Nank to Baker was was special. But the way the way he just sort of willed the game on and just sort of just just his sense of urgency all throughout the game was fantastic. He let all play, let all Tigers on the ground with twenty six disposals, had five clearances, seven inside fifties, nine score involvements too, boys, mm. as well as one goal too. He, he just. And the thing that the thing that gets me is that defensively, I thought he was fantastic. He laid a he laid a massive smother when Port were trying to surge the ball forward. I think it was, I think it was either in the second quarter or the last quarter. It was towards the it was towards Port Adelaide end of the ground. But he, he's just a he's just a phenomenal player and 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 a player that I've always you know highly talked of. He was just he's just a player. It's a little bit like Braden Maynard in the sense that he will die for the football club. Yeah, I, I feel like you know, with the balls in the deck, he'll just throw. He'll just throw his body in the way and 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 hope and hope that his side comes out comes out with it at the end of the at the end of the contest. You, you'll see him in the middle tonight, boys. I reckon with Dusty, he'll get more midfield yeah. minutes, and we'll love it. We will love yeah, it. we will absolutely love it. And if uh, if Shah Bolton even kicked three goals, he probably would have surpassed Baker as the uh, man of the week this week. So hopefully, he kicks more than zero five. <laughs> No, I don't mind that call, Doc. Very, very good. I've loved what he's done with his game so far this year. Baker, uh, we'll jump into deep dive now, Doc. We've got a very interesting sort of edition of it this week. The Stats Team of the Year. We sort of talked about this last week. But I'm very interested to see how this pans out. If you want to give it a little bit of an explanation. Yeah, okay. So it's a bit hard to explain. But I think I've I've, I've had a look over the week um, and had a look at some of the... Um, some of the players that are, that are leading the competition in certain categories and trying to jump and trying to drop them down in their in their rightful position. So, look, hopefully we don't go overtime with this because there's 22 players to, to break through. But we'll get started with our defensive line just just so just so you can understand, Cat. Um, so in the back pocket, it's a bit controversial because he's a key position player. But I've got Dougal Howard in there because he's first in the competition for spoils and he's and he's. Participated in thirty contested one on ones for for ten losses, which is a which is a third of, of his um contested one on ones. In the fullback line, I've got Sam Collins, who is fourth in the competition for spoils, but his percentage in de- in defensive contest one on ones is much much lower. He's twenty two point eight percent, but he's but he's not the lowest that I've got in this team. That that goes to Sam Taylor, who's been in forty defensive contest one on ones. Who've and and have only, and has only lost four contests, so that's a ten percent um, defensive one-on-one contest percentage. Um, but Sam Taylor also second in the competition for spoils, just behind Dougal Howard. So that's that's where he stands. Also, with Sam Collins, he's sixth in the competition for intercept marks. So, wow. so yeah, there, it, there's a bit going on here. In the back pocket, I've got Braden Maynard, who, who I needed. I needed a small forward, and I think he was the one. Uh, sorry, a small defender, and I needed. And he was the one that stood out for mine because he was uh, he, he lost eleven percent of co- contests in in his one on one contest. He had ten, he had he had I think twenty seven uh, this year so far. So and also he averages nine defensive half pressure acts per game this season, which is in the top five. So of of of, of mid sized defenders, this one's going to be a mouthful. Half back, I think no one no one can disagree that even if we if we didn't mid season all Australian team, he'd be in it. James Sisley from Hawthorne. Yes, Bang. top two, top two in the conference set marks. First in the competition for for marks in general. Uh, he's also top ten for contested marks. Top ten for spoils. 
first for rebound 50s, first for intercept possessions, and third for kicks, going at a kicking efficiency at 80.6%. So the thing I'm looking for with these halfback flankers, boys, is that not only can they do like the intercept marks and stuff like that, but I'm also looking for efficiency and, and rebound out of out of halfback. And this next bloke exemplifies that. Um, I've got Frio's Luke Ryan, who's uh, who's uh, fourth in the competition for rebound 50s, top 10 in the competition for kicks, and he's got one of the best kicking efficiencies of all of all mid-sized defenders, going at eighty-eight percent. So that's two hundred and fourteen kicks for one hundred and eighty-eight effective. Jesus. And also fifth in the competition for Mark. So he's a good link-up player as well. So going, so we're going from to the midfield now, and we'll start with the wings. This was a really hard part because wings are sort of like, okay, what do you try to do with the wings? Wings, you, you look, you look for meterage, you look for kicking skills, you look for link-up plays. And I think these these two guys, look, one of them is going to be controversial because he's played a little bit of wing, a little bit of little bit of defense, little bit of defense. But I think I think they exemplify to me what ultimate wingers are all about. Yes. So we'll start. So we'll start with Jaden Short from Richmond. Yes, hello. Uh, top fifteen in the competition for uncontested possessions. Mm. He's fir- he's first in the competition for kicks, and he's got a really good um, kicking efficiency of seventy two percent. So that's not that that I think the competition average is between sixty to seventy. So that's yeah. not too bad. Um, he also averages 5.9 marks per game, which is ranked above average in the league, and 645 metres gained per game, which is ranked elite. Mm. So my other wing, I've got Jordan Dawson from Adelaide. Now, it's, yeah, it's a little controversial because he, he's played a little bit of defence, but as well, he can also push up to the wing, and what his stats show here is what I'm looking for in my team. 18.5 kicks per game, which is top 10 in the competition. He's kicking at 76%. Third in the competition for marks and 583 metres gained per game, which is ranked elite in the competition. Uh, so we go to the guts now, and we start at Ruck. And, well, I've got two Rucks in this team. One's on the bench as a rotation. But this one's a pure Ruckman. Um, and I've gone with Gold Coast Jared Witt, who's first in the competition for hitouts, first in the first in the competition for hitouts to advantage. And he's got the highest percentage of any Ruck in the top 10 in terms of um, hitouts to advantage. Would have been and he's absolutely bail if Witsy didn't find a way into this team, Doc. <laughs> no, no, no he, he, he's he's exactly what I'm looking for in in a ruck. He's he, he's a good palm down. He, he just hits down to the advantage of his teammates. He does he does it all, and he's second of all rucks in this inside the top twenty for total clearances. And and an interesting one here, he's first in the competition for score launches, which. If if you know what score launches are, score launches is basically the start of a, a start of a chain which leads to a which leads to a score. Mm. Um, so in the midfield, I think these these three are pretty pretty self-explanatory here. Um, first one here is Clayton Oliver from Melbourne, first in the competition for disposals, second for inside fifty, second for contested possessions, second for ground ball gets, first in the competition for total clearances of every player on the ground. Um, third for, third in the competition for centre bounce clearances and fourth for score involvements, which is a bit of a mouthful there. Um, Brisbane, Brisbane's Lockie Neal is also in here. First in the competition for contested possessions. Le- leads everyone in the competition for ground ball gets. Second for overall disposals. Second for total clearances. Fourth for centre clearances. This one was a little bit... This one, I've gone a little bit differently, but the way he's playing, he deserves to be in this team either way. Andrew Brayshaw, third in... Third in the competition for disposals. I've also looked for um, a bit of defensive pressure as well. He's third for tackles and third for pressure acts in the competition. But he's also fifth for inside 50s, third for uncontested possessions, and top 15 for score involvements. 
So we go down to the forward line, and this one, this one's a little bit controversial considering the fact he's played more as a midfielder. But I'm looking for as a half forward. I'm looking for uh, somebody that can help set up, um, set up goals or set up scores or set up scores for his teammates. And this is Christian Petrarca. Um and he's hit the scoreboard a fair bit, albeit it's nine goals, nineteen. But he's also first in the competition for goal assists, first in the competition for score involvements, and top ten for contested possessions, which is basically things you things you'd like to see from a high half forward sort of player. Uh, at centre half forward, I've got Tom Hawkins, who's fourth in the competition for goals. He's kicked 30, 39 goals, eighteen. But as also a centre half forward, you also look to sort of help mark the ball, set up teammates for for goals, and and if. You know, if you're if you if you're not in a good position, you, t- you sort of try and give it off to someone who's in a better position. And Tom Hawkins does that a lot because he's equal second for goal assists, second for score involvements, also first for marks inside fifty, and fifth for contested marks. So he does does a lot of good things for, as as a, as a key forward option. The other half forward option is a bit tricky, but I've also but I've opted not not because I not only because I like the guy so much, uh, but because he's a he's a he's a genuine forward midfielder, and that's Zach Bailey from Brisbane. Twenty yes. seven. 27 goals, 11 for the year. He's ranked top 10 in the comp, but he's also and also third for um for general slash mid-sized forwards. He, he's also top 25 in the competition for score involvement. So he's he, we know we know we've seen him play in the midfield. He can he can give you a couple of good clearances, but he can also come forward and give you a couple of good goals as well. In the pockets, I've got Charlie Cameron from Brisbane, which is another self-explanatory one. 31 goals, 13 for the year. He's top five in the competition, first for um all general forwards, but also 5.7 score involvements per game, which is ranked above average for um, a small forward and six in the competition for tackles inside 50, which is what you want from a pressure forward. And also, and, and, and also fifth for marks inside 50, which as, as a small forward, you'd take that every day of the week in, in the full forward. I think this one is also pretty self-explanatory. Charlie Kerno, who currently leads Coleman at the moment with 39 goals, 18, but he's also top 10 of the comp for score involvements. Fourth in the competition for marks inside fifty, and fourth for contested marks. And this one, I hope you guys like this one in the pocket because I do. I was pretty chuffed to hear him, hear him called out here. But Lockie Schultz from Frio. Yes. Now he's not the top thirty for goals. He's kicked eighteen goals, thirteen. But as a forward pocket, you look for pressure, and Lockie Schultz brings a lot of that. He's equal fourth for tackles inside fifty. He's got two hundred and six pressure acts, which are elite numbers for a small forward. That's the sort of that's the sort of numbers I look for in in terms of small forwards. So to the bench, I've, I've gone I've gone for a more well rounded sort of uh, sort of operation here, and we start with Jeremy Cameron from Geelong, which I think is another one who deserves to be in the All Australian team at the end of the season. Second in the Coleman with thirty eight goals, seventeen, but also third for marks inside fifty and third for score involvement. So not only, not only does he he's that sort of guy that can you can play him out of the square, you can play him at half forward and, and let him run onto the ball. He he's got a good talent in terms of finding the goals and finding the footy as, as a tall forward. My defensive rotation. This one's difficult because you could either go for another dashing rebounding halfback flanker, or you can go for an intercepting sort of mid-sized defender who can do a little bit of everything. And I and I went for that with Callum Wilkie, who has only lost six defensive one-on-ones in twenty-nine contests this year. That's a percentage of twenty point seven. But he's also ranked elite with uh, seven marks per game, top 10 in the league, and also top 15 in the league for intercept marks as well. So he, not only does he do a traditional d- defensive role, but he he also peels off and, and provides as an intercept third-tall option. Uh, 
my third, my midfield rotation is Tuuk Miller um, from the Gold Coast, top 15 in the comp for disposals, but also third for contested position, third for ground ball gets, third for clearances total, and second for stoppage clearances. Um, so yeah, he, he's he's a guy that we've all we've all talked about highly over the last 24 months, but. It's his ability. It's his two-way running ability for mine that 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 has him in the top percentile of midfielders at the moment, Took. And the last one, I said I was going to have a second ruckman here, and it's hard to leave out a guy like Max Gorn, who is third for hitouts, third for hitouts to advantage, has a has a percentage of thirty-three point one, which is in the top five. Uh, first for contested marks, second for score launches, and has kicked eleven goals, nine for the year, the most of any ruck in the competition. Jesus. So. Yeah, that, that's this is this is the that's the statistical team of the year so far. I'll revisit this at the end of the year as well. Um, so this is not a one-off thing. I'd like to see where these guys stack up at the end of the year. Um, but these guys, I'll try try to try to narrow it down to players that that you feel can play can do the best in that role in in positions around the ground. And um, oh look, that, that's it. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Surprise for a number of these guys <laughs> knocking in your Australian team come the end of the year, Doc. So I reckon that's pretty comprehensive there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, a, a lot of people just sort of take it as fate uh, on face value, um, and a little bit of reputation that goes along with it. But I'm trying to look at players as well that sort of play their role in this team. And um, I might, might have bended the rules a little bit for a player like Jordan Dawson or Christian Petrarca on a half forward flank, but I see them. I see them for what for what their stats read. And Petrarca's a good. Petrarca's a good setup of um of goals, and Dawson's a great runner and a great link-up player and a, and a great taker of ground. Um, so, you know, anybody, anybody got anything to say about that? Uh, you got a choice of two butt checks to kiss. That's my that's my that's my team of the year. Very good, Doc. Love it, and can't wait to see revisited at the end of the season. From one team, we go to another. Alex Miller's team of the week. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing what Alex Miller's team of the year involves at the end of the season because I'm looking forward mm. to it. Yeah, but... what, we got lots of operators this week, so we'll get stuck in it and smash it out, nice and juicy, boy. Sam Doherty from Carlton, he was fantastic on Friday night. He's definitely in there. Nick Vloshen thought he did a good job rotating off the port forwards and making them look like Muppets. Rona Maynard, as we talked about, was outstanding. 25 touches was really good. Hayden Young, what a job he's done coming in, boys. He's on the halfback flank. As a young man to be a commanding intercept defender, he's been the perfect Robin to the Batman of Luke Ryan. Harry Himmelberg's Cat's Man of the Week is definitely in there. One thing Cat forgot to mention is with those 37 disposals, Cat, he went at 94.5%. Absolutely unreal from him. Nick Newman's in there, boys. He's been immense at the other halfback flank since Zach Williams has gone out. So important and such a good user. On the wings, we have a pair of wingmen. Hugh McCluggage is out there, career high. Uh, game from him with 30 touches was absolutely outstanding. And Dylan Shield is on the other wing. We talked about him before, 27 and a goal. His tackles and his contested work was very good this week. Caleb Sarong, he's in the guts, boys. He's in the centre line. Talk about him being one of the most improved players this year. And the man at half forward, Stephen Cornelia, he's in there. Couldn't put him in as the man of the week because we couldn't have too many Giants players against the Witches' Hats. But he was very good. <laughs> Massive game from him. Brady Majek, we talked about as well. Four goals and ten marks. His impact was understated. Doc's man of the week, Liam Baker. I tell you what, he can bake some bread in. He can bake some port defenders. He was absolutely outstanding at the half-forward line on the weekend. Mickey Walters, boys, is in full forward pocket now. He had a very good impact on the game. His creativity and score involvements were elite. 
Harry Mackay, he's in at full forward. I just think that he's so under, underrated in terms of how important he is for the current structure. And Jamie Elliott, talked about him before, three goals and 19 touches from a small forward after a week off. Not bad, if you don't mind me. For the followers, we've got Teddy Goldstein as the ruck. He was really good. Two goals, one, 33 hitters. Tronies cuts out as per. Lockie Neal was outstanding again, 37 touches. And the man who probably shouldn't have won the medal but had a great game, Clayton Oliver, is the other midfielder, 43 disposals. For the bench, we've got a perfect blend of stars. Uh, the ruckman is Mason Cox, as my man of the week. He was outstanding. Tanner Bruin, boys, coming of age this year, had a massive game. Two goals and 20-plus touches against North on the weekend was really good. Jack Sinclair could definitely be in contention for an All-Australian halfback. He's been elite all year. And Harry Jones racks up the final bench spot as a forward. Just his work and what he's done, Kat, to, since where he was at the start of the year and get his body back right is fantastic to see. And I'll tell you what, I think I'm developing a very, very large pothole soft spot for Harry Jones. I love him. He was outstanding. So I think, I think we all love Harry Jones at the moment, Miller. Yeah, how could you not? He was absolutely elite. But that is my team of the week, and uh, we move to the tips, Cat. Yes, a big weekend of tips, as it always is. Uh, myself and Doc gaining one more tip on Miller this week. Both of us getting six out of six. And Doc's on 67. I'm on 68. And Miller with a five out of six on 76 for this week. Uh, big one, boys. Very, very big round this oh, week. And the next two massive, massive weekends of footy coming up. Uh, this weekend, the last of the buy rounds, and it all kicks off with Richmond and Carlton on Thursday night <sighs> tonight. Miller. Are you confident in your mob? You're going to back him here. Look, I'm not confident, Cat, but I will back him. I'm a true supporter. I think it'll be a very tough game, as we mentioned. It will be decided by just who's more efficient inside forward fifty. So I'm going to go my mob by fifteen points tonight. Doc. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm been I'm in term, This is a really hard game to pick. Um, I'll go. I'll go the Blues. I think their midfielder. I think their midfield setup. You know, we overpowered Richmond last time. I think they can do it again, uh, even without Chera in the side. They've still got Hewitt. They've got Cripps in good form. Walsh is in. He didn't play in round one. Um, I think they've got enough talent in that midfield to overrun your mob, Miller, I'm afraid. I think I'll back the Blues in for this one as well, boys. I'll go, Blues. I'll go Blues by 14 points. I'll say nine. Close one. Bastards. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got to get, I've got to try and get one on you somewhere, Miller. Friday won't night, be getting this next year. <laughs> Friday night, my mob taking on the Saints. Uh, I think it's the Saints comprehensively here. A few, a few Saints supporters I know, they're, they're actually a little bit nervous. So Essen have been a bit of a bogey team in, over the last ten or so years. Um, but having said that, uh, I don't think there'll be uh, any chance this week. I think the Saints will. Uh, They'll, they'll, they'll be reeling from that game against Brisbane. They would have had a few opportunities there that they really could have put them away and they just didn't. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, pick the, I'll pick the Saints in this one. Yeah, I'm also going the Saints. I think Max King has a big day as well, Cat, unless Ridley goes to which I hope he does. All right. Well, big one there. I, I don't think we're any chance. <laughs> King will a bag on us. Uh, Saturday, Port and Sydney. Interesting game here. Port probably need to win to have any chance of making finals at all here. Uh, I, they're, three, they're currently three games out of the eight, Cat, and mm-hmm. where are we are now, we're around fourteen. So, being uh, uh, over I, here, I think I think they're rooted, Port. <laughs> they're not, not going to get. I like the Swannies in then. 
yeah, I, I think I'll go the Swans too. I think yeah. they, they, just, I, I, they, they, they just chuckle along really nicely, Sydney. The Swans on Bud, Bud was the return cap as well. They love it. Yes, uh, they do love it. All right, back to Swansea here, boys. Uh, the next game on the Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Geelong. <laughs> Geelong heading over to Optus Stadium to give West Coast a smacking. I didn't know Geelong had back-to-back buys. That's pretty good. Give me a margin here, Kat. Uh, 82. Doc? Um, 112. <sighs> It'll, 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 just, it'll, it'll just be like that game uh, where they travelled to Subiaco and they just bloody pantsed them by about 140-odd points. It'll be, yes. it'd be like one of those games. I'll go 96. But yes, Geelong by 96. Yeah, Speaking Geelong. of margins, boys, uh, oh. the tipping margin for the, the crowd from last week at North Melbourne GWS. Yes, I've got it here, Kat. I you was the closest to the margin because I was in the 9,000 region and it turned out to be 13. Though I think there might have been some flubs numbers there from Mr. Gillen. Yes, uh, the numbers from last week. Cat was the closest. He had 9,523. I was the second closest with 7,680. And Doc, 6,258. So 13K apparently. That can't be true because uh, that's just bullshit. Um, I, 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 reckon, I reckon those North fans would have been fired up, all five of them, that they that they are talking shit about their club and their crowd attendance. So, so uh, one. Yeah, so they decided to rock up, so that'll teach me. Just make sure uh, Chris Petrarca never gets straight to North, boys, and he'll be really upset about crowd numbers if he's been. <laughs> uh, Saturday night, huge game here, boys. Uh, one I know you're always looking forward to, Doc, taking on those dirty orange boffins. <laughs> stadium. The Giants yeah, boffins bo- 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 is one way to put it, Cat. Um... <laughs> I, I think uh, it's an interesting one. Well, we might chat Giants next week, but they've been playing quite nicely the past few weeks under Spike McVeigh and uh, chugging along nicely without the dead weight of Leon Cameron holding them down. <laughs> uh, what do you think here, Doc? What do we reckon? Look, uh, GWS have improved since uh, Leon's given them the ask, but we have to take into account as well, their two wins have been against the two bottom teams in the competition. So I don't know how much of that we can really take into account. It's a dangerous game either way because GWS always seem to play with an extra extra ounce of edge when it comes to us. They seem to hate us for some reason. I don't understand why. Um, Not like you whatever. Nah, I've done nothing to them. Um, <laughs> um, no, no, it'll be dangerous. I hate the, I hate the mob, um, but I'll back us in because this is a game we can't lose. If we, mm. if we are serious about being a top eight team this year, these are the games we have to win. If you don't win and, this, you're not making the eight. That's simple as that. Yeah, it, the, the equation is simple as that. If we don't win this, uh, finals can be finals can say goodbye, um, and I'll re and I'll re-upload my um, campaign to get Luke Beveridge out of the team uh, out of the church. No, yeah, I'm going to go Bulldogs as well, boys. All right. I'm going to go the Taylor option and choose the Giants here. Oh, I've got to go for one different if we're going to get anything right here. So I'm back in the Giants. All right, then. All right. No, that's fair enough. Uh, just, just just as well, good news as well um, with Bailey Dale and Caleb Daniel both signing long-term extensions um, this yes, week. Very good. Mm. Very, very Caleb good. Daniel for, Caleb Daniel, four years. Uh, Bailey Dale this morning signing for five, which is good news. I love it. Uh, why do they keep putting standalone Sunday games that nobody's going to watch on the buy rounds? Uh, I think golf- just to help your kids get off to bed, Cat, and uh, <laughs> have a little tip. It was too too much that the first buy round with that the back to back Hawthorne, Collingwood, and Freo Brisbane. So they said the next two weeks we're giving you absolute snooze fest. 
this one might be a bit better than last week, though. The Suns and the Crom. I think mm. we discussed the Suns a fair bit, boys, and I think if they're keeping their finals chances alive, uh, they have to win this one, and I yeah. think they will. Oh, they will. They will. It's it's in Metricon, and I think Metricon. We say it about Brisbane and the Gabba as well being a fortress. I think I think the, I think the Gold Coast Metricon's becoming a fortress as well, just quietly. Ooh, I don't mind that. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the Suns. I think that uh, that's what big game from, big game from <laughs> took me a little on that. All right, boys. Very very big round ahead. Very keen to see how these games play out, and I can't wait until the week after as well. We're gonna know a lot about the ladder in these next two weeks, so might know a bit more about how the finals are gonna shape up. Should be um, just ju- just a quick quickie, boys. Uh, yes or no? Do we should we just um, uh, Condense the buy around to just one week instead of three. Just have no. a full week off. Yeah, just have a full week off. I say no. No, mm. no says Alex Miller. I will say no. <laughs> I, I I think yes. I think this is too confusing. All, 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 also, also, what's the point? One, one, one standalone Sunday game like a North Melbourne GWS is enough to put anyone to sleep. <laughs> Don't know about that one. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts. Standalone buy round, yes or no? Uh, a3, a3footy at gmail.com. You can let us know that email. Um, but I think that's going to do us for this week's episode, boys. Make sure you follow us across all our socials, A3footy podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at A3footy on Twitter. And, of course, as I said, the email, a3footy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Anything you want us to talk about, anything you'd like to discuss, we are all ears. Huge round ahead, boys. Can't wait. Very, very keen for it as we get into the second half of the year. Getting closer and closer. I can't believe it. We're already over halfway. It's just like flies by, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. In, in about five minutes, we'll be at round 22, and uh, none of our teams are making the eight. <laughs> Don't say oh, that. Sucked in, boys, the league this year. <laughs> sucked in, you dickens. Uh, with, with all that said, I've been Alex Catalano. I've been Alex Miller. And I've been Alex Doherty. Tune in next week, and as well, we'll be cracking some AFLW draft because it's so close. It's very, very, very close. I can't believe it. The top 30 is locked in, boys. The top 30 is locked in. Get excited for it.